The uh, scripture reading for today comes from Revelation 22, verses 8 through 21. Again, Revelation 22, 8 through 21. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. As we uh, conclude this four-week series on the Revelation and this portion of study, we go back to thinking about the context first of all. So just to set the stage uh, for for this wrap up, the very end of the book of Revelation. The apostle John was exiled to the island of Patmos and the reason he was exiled and put sent away there was because of his preaching for Christ. So it was punishment for him. This is the same John who was one of the 12 disciples. He wrote the gospel of John and the letters of of First uh, and Second and Third John, uh, and the Book of Revelation has been historically interpreted in a number of ways. We're not going to have time this morning to explore all of those ways. But how many of you have ever, instead of having time to read a whole book, have read the end of the book first? Anybody ever do that? It's like you know. Maybe I don't need to read the whole thing. Maybe I just go and see what's at the end because that's the really important part. They sum up the whole thing beautifully 
and it just saves me so much time. Usually, when someone is writing something, you save that ending for the capper, the, the, the summation of it. In some ways, that is what revelation is in the Bible. It, it was something that was given, the vision that was given to John. And what is interesting, and we're going to go through the text pretty quickly here, but what's interesting about it is the number of times that there is a testimony to what is being testified. In other words, the point is that what I'm writing down is what I feel God leading me and showing me, and and I want you to know the ending of all of this. We know those words from Ecclesiastics, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. We go through the world and everything looks broken and it seems like there's no hope. And John wants to make sure and is led by the Spirit and inspired by the Spirit in, through this vision to testify that in the end, we win. That is the culminating message. And on the way to winning, our choices do matter. Our choices make a difference. How many of you would ever be given uh, a vision of heaven? Or you would have a situation in which you actually experienced the presence of one of God's angels. Or you experienced hearing a voice from God. And you would say, well, this was so powerful, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. John was a disciple of Christ. He experienced this and he knew immediately that he was called. In fact, the angel confirmed to, for him to write these things down so that you will remember them and so that you can share them. Um, notice what it says in uh, verse 6 and 7, which we were, was part of last week's uh, scripture reading. The angel and Jesus add words of verification at different points. Then he said to me, it says, these words are faithful and true. In other words, the angel of the Lord is saying, these are faithful and true. Write this down, mark this down, make a note of it and guide your life around it. This is the ending that is to come. And so the three points of emphasis for revelation are verification, invitation, and a warning. To today, there's plenty of messages and people that will tell you, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're just trying to be good and do right. There's nothing wrong with trying to do good and be right. But we're called to more than that. That is just sort of a, a good moral for life instead of a faithfulness. And people can be moral and good and kind and just, but have no interest in furthering the kingdom of God and representing it well. So let's walk through the scripture really quickly. I, again, I, I know that we're, we've, we've got some limited time here, but let's start, uh, starting with verse 8. Um, it's, it's so interesting that, of course, 
If you saw a vision, if you saw an angel standing in front of you, you would experience the same thing that John did. Like, I don't know, this is beyond me, it's beyond this world, and he fell down. And I just love this, one of my favorite lines of, uh, uh, of Revelation is, is the angel saying, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. All who keep the words of the scroll, this angel is saying, I am as the same as you are. We are followers of God together. And, uh, and he goes on to, to give that instruction. So this displays the integrity of the angel he refuses to accept religious adoration from John. But once and, uh, once and again, he reproved John for bowing down, um, that he would never come to a place where he would say, he as an angel is more worthy. That's part of the testimony that you know this is true. You don't make this stuff up. If this was a made-up story, you would have glorification of the angel. And it is an incredible thing. But for John, when you're in the middle of seeing this and giving, given this vision, and it's so, such a real thing that you're experiencing, and to then say, you know, and to then be told by the angel, I am just a fellow believer with you in following the faith. Verse 10. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the, the time is near. That's an, that's, what does he mean by that? He means that do not close yourself off to the word of God. In all of your life situations, keep the scroll open. All of these commandments, all of the, all of the Bible is open an attempt of God to reveal his heart to us. And so there's this testimony of saying, don't close it up as if you don't need it anymore. Just because you saw an angel doesn't mean, oh, well, I don't have to pay attention to anything else. I, I, I just follow, I just, I, it's the experience. There's a, a holiness that is so powerful, I don't need to go back to the word of God and keep learning. And because the time is near, and it goes on in verse 11, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Now here we get into what I'm, where we talk about choice mattering. Throughout this vision and this conversation, there are at least a couple of points in which, which there is a contrast between what is wrong and what is right. And, and that's, that's what our culture is trying to basically say. It's all good it's all right. It doesn't matter. You do your thing. I'll do mine. We're all just blessed and that's great. And we're not called to condemn people, but we are called to discern that which is of God and that which is not of God. So here he is the first contrast um, where he says, uh, where he says in verse 11, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. And basically saying, well, you know, good luck with that. You want to keep doing it and then wonder why things aren't going well in your life? Well, let them keep doing it. Let the vile person continue to be vile. But, he says, 
Let the one who does right continue to do right and let the holy person continue to be holy. And then it changes in verse 12 to Jesus speaking. Look, I'm coming to you soon. My reward is with me and I will give each person according to what they have done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I was there in the creation when I created you and designed you and for, for good and for righteousness and for holiness in relationship with God. And at the end of it, that's still what I want, is what God is really saying. Jesus is, Jesus is giving testimony to the fact that of all the complexities of life, in the end, I want you to be with me. That is the encouragement of this whole passage, that Revelations is for us to be with God and to dwell with God forever. And so he goes on then to say, look, I'm coming to you soon. Oh, I, I, I shared that already. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And, we, and he, throughout Revelation, it gave that vision in chapter 21 of the incredible nature of the city. Outside, in contrast, are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the immor sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Now, we, we don't know what that means, right? Today, you know, I'm being facetious. We've not seen falsehood, have we? If you read the news, you don't know what to believe or what not to believe anymore because falsehood has become the standard of the day. The idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. God cares more about our honesty and the sincerity of our hearts than he does the perfection of our behaviors and life. In 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for who? For the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Why does he say that? Because he wants to make sure you understand his credentials. It is Jesus who is speaking. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. But, and let the one who is thirsty say, come. And let the one who wishes for this, for, uh, to take the free gift of the water of life. We talked about that last week, the water of life. The river flowing out of the throne of grace. That is an invitation that Jesus is giving to say, all of this is about an invitation to those who come. When we, when we meet new people, do we offer that invitation of love and welcome and a, and a confirmation of, of that ability to, to be able to embrace and see what God is leading in people's lives? And, and how do we work at that in a way that uh, is invitational and gives hope and encouragement to people. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. Number one, anyone 
that adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And number two, if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person uh, and, and, and any share in the tree of life in the holy city, which you are described, which are described in this scroll. In other words, this is the word of God. This wraps up the word of God, and you're not to add to it or take away from it. In other words, don't make it up. Don't grab a, a verse from one place or two verses from another and put together your nice, little, perfect, absolutely ironclad, this, of course, is the will of God. That is our tendency. Our tendency is to make God in our image by taking this little snippet here and this little snippet there. And God is saying, don't do that to my word. Take my word as a whole. That the revelation of the whole of scripture is for my grace to flow out to you and for you to be able to embrace it. So it's, a, it's not only invitational, but it is an encouragement for us to embrace the truth of the gospel. In other words, those that are Filthy and unjust will take an occasion to, to be more so. But the word of God will strengthen and further sanctify those with an upright heart. And he, when he says he is the first and the last, this word of God will, con, will by its use, will conform people to the tree of life and to the river of life. And so this book not only condemns and excludes from heaven those who are right, unrighteous and wicked and desire evil and re reject God, but those who are willing and open and receive the grace of Jesus Christ and receive the calling of Christ will be blessed and be honored. Again, you have the clarity of the fact that there must be a choice. It is a matter of choice. We, may need, we need to be able to not just say, it's okay. We need to say, I choose to believe. There are many people who think that just doing the right things, that's the recipe. And when, when scripture tells us, and Paul says, if righteousness could be gained by the law, Christ died for nothing. If we could do it on our own, there was no point in Christ dying. But the reason Christ died for us was because we are dependent upon the work of Christ for who we are and who, will we, who we will become. And so in verse 20 he says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And he concludes, the grace of the Lord Jesus is with God's people. What this does is this together confirms the testimony of Jesus, the fountain of light and the bright and morning star. It confirms that there is this invitation. It confirms a testimony of the spirit of God, a gracious spirit that is in all the true members of the church of God. No matter where we're from, no matter what country, no matter what, what group of people we are a part of or have been part of, no matter where we go, if we are a people of God, we represent Christ on earth, the kingdom of heaven, and we hold out that hope. And so the invitation is clearly here.
So Revelations is more than just a kind of dream. It is an actual calling for us to take seriously the choice we have. At the close of the book is the confession that answers the problems of life. This is what Mount said. Uh, The confession that answers to the problems of life. Uh, They do not lie in man's ability to create a better world, but to... Uh, but in the return of the one who has sovereign power and controls the course of human affairs. In other words, Mounts was saying that basically this Bible, this word of God is being closed off at its very end with the clarity of the fact that God wants his grace to flow to his people. And he wants nothing more than to embrace people not only in heaven, but here right now to embrace people. And you got to know that this had an impact on John's life. And he didn't live too much longer uh, after this. But the impact of it was that he knew where he was going. Can we say that? Can we say we know where we're going? We've read the end of the book. We know what the conclusion is. And uh, it, it is interesting to me that, that as we come into this next series, this c- encouragement to write it down. So you're going to be, just a, a little bit of a heads up, you're going to be seeing some journals emerge in your boxes in the coming week or two. Those journals are for this upcoming series and study of Luke. And we want encourage, to encourage you in a similar fashion to write down your story, write down the situations, especially if you see an angel and you hear God speaking to you and, and uh, something really incredible like that, we encourage you, write it down. If you have an insight or something touches your heart or something speaks to you, write it down and then dwell on it. Remember what Jesus was saying in John 15 where he says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. And he says, my words will remain in you. And you will ask whatever you wish in my name and it will be done for you. In other words, that remaining process is by continuing to dwell in and with the written word and the living word, which is Christ himself. So this is a story of hope. It's a story of encouragement. And I'll close today by by sharing a story that meant a lot to me when we first studied uh, the Purpose Driven Life together back some years ago, 20 years ago or so. And and in that, Rick Warren tells the story about uh, about his dad. His dad was a pastor for over 50 years serving mostly rural uh, churches. His dad was not simply a preacher, but a man with a mission. And everybody knew this about him. He loved taking teams of volunteers overseas to build church buildings for small congregations. In his lifetime, he led the build of 150 different churches in in all those trips. In 1999, his dad died of cancer. In the final week of his life, the disease kept him awake in a semi-conscious state, nearly 24 hours a day. 
a day. As he dreamed, he'd talk out loud about what he was dreaming. And sitting by the re- his bedside, Rick Warren shares that he learned a lot about his dad just listening to his dreams. And he relived one building project after another. One night near the end of his life, while Rick and his wife and niece were by his side, his dad suddenly started to wake up and became very active. And in fact, he tried to get out of bed. Of course, he was too weak, and Rick's wife insisted he lay back down. But he persisted in trying to get out of bed. So Rick's wife asked, Jimmy, what are you trying to do? And he replied, got to save one more for Jesus. Got to save one more for Jesus. Got to save one more for Jesus. He repeated that phrase over and over and over again. During the next hour, he said the phrase over a hundred times. Got to save one more for Jesus. As Rick sat by his dad's bed, tears rolling down his cheeks, he bowed his head and thanked God for his dad's faith. At that moment, his dad reached out in his weakened state and placed his frail hand on Rick's head and said, as if commissioning him, save one more for Jesus. Save one more for Jesus. Can we hear that? That call, the angels call to John. Christ's call to every one of us. Let's be about the redeeming, saving work of Jesus. What an incredible testimony. And I will just say, may our hope and prayer be that in our final days, with our final breath, that we would be able to reflect on the entire mission of all of Scripture, of all of Revelation, that the Word of God would go forth and come back filled with those who have responded to the love and grace and received it and are willing to follow Jesus Christ. Let's go forth. Let's go forth and make choices in which we save one more for Jesus. Team, let's sing our closing song.